It is Christmas, and we are in week two of a little Christmas series, a collection of teachings we're doing for three weeks called Comeback Christmas. And we're, we're looking at the Christmas story, a, a, a story that for a lot of us is super familiar. I would even argue maybe even dangerously familiar. And I'm praying that this story doesn't only come back, but maybe it takes new root in our minds and our hearts and encourages us in new ways. And last week, Pastor Seth did such a great job beginning this series talking about bringing hope back. For those of us who maybe had lost hope and how the gospel and this message of Christmas actually is an invitation that, that brings back hope. And, and that's Christmas. But today I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and maybe change the enunciation of how we're saying comeback Christmas. And if last week was about a comeback, this week I want to talk about come back. Uh, I want to shift the focus a little bit from maybe being low on hope to high on hope for, to, to being out to in, to coming from being lost to found, come back. I want to talk about a come back story today. We love a good come back story. Uh, you ever lose something and then find it? Does anything feel better? than losing something that mattered and then you found it. I, I love that. Uh, sometimes uh, you might lose an item. I read online this week about a woman who'd lost her wedding band 16 years ago gardening, uh, 1996, and then in 2010 uh, or 2012, 16 years from, from 96 anyway, she found her wedding ring on a carrot. Isn't that cool? It's pretty cool. It was lost and then found. Uh, if anybody has a toddler, you know what it is to lose your keys. I thought that was funny. I, my, car, my son has that ride. Anybody's kid have that ride? Yeah. Or this guy lost the sixth edition to his book collection and then realized, no, he lost his marbles. Do you see? Uh, it took me a minute too. That goes right here. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. See, you can lose an item and, and find it again, but we also know that a good comeback story is also when we lose ourselves or lose an individual and they come back. I remember I grew up with a dog, a beautiful golden retriever. I'm still trying to convince my wife to, to let me have another one. You can pray for her. Um, but uh, she would often, my dog would, would disappear for a day at a time. We wouldn't know where she'd go. She'd just get her little, little hobo on and we wouldn't know where she'd go and then she'd come back and we always felt so relieved when she would, but we know we love a good comeback story like Homeward Bound. Any, any Christian kids that grew up that like that was about as extreme as you got? That was Homeward Bound. Uh, that was a good movie. What about, what about this comeback story? Hiya, pal. Remember that? <laughs> Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, where Kevin McAllister gets lost in the Big Apple and he has to come back, find his way back to Chicago. And then this is, this is one of my favorite comeback stories, Castaway. Anybody? Tom Hanks just lost on a deserted island. He's a FedEx, uh, you know, he works for, for FedEx and he ends up finding himself lost and he makes his way back home. Uh, speaking of Castaway, my buddy Mark Clark sent me this. We were having a pity party about pastoring a couple weeks ago. I thought that was funny. Maybe you don't. But I, I'm more Mr. Rogers than this. I'm going to be honest. I have it pretty good here. But we're talking about comeback stories. And I want to argue today, so we just spend a few minutes looking at the story of Christmas. And if you have a Bible, we're going to go kind of do the deep dive Bible study on something that you may have heard read at Christmas. Maybe your parents read it at Christmas and maybe you saw Charlie Brown's Christmas and you heard Linus quote it. It's the famous passage at Luke, in Luke chapter 2 where the angels come 
come and they declare to the shepherds on the hillside, behold, I bring you good tidings of great news that's gonna be cause for joy. We're gonna look at this story that for a lot of us we've seen many times, but I wanna do the deep dive and I'm hoping that you're gonna realize something today. That the Christmas message and the story of Christmas is the ultimate invitation for us to come back. It is the greatest comeback invitation to the greatest comeback story ever told. And I want to just spend a few minutes studying the Bible together. Can we do that? Are you with me? Yeah, listen, I got I to gotta just make a confession. I was in Halifax last week. Y'all, they know how to respond to a preacher who's not even there in person. Help a brother out or I'm going to move to Halifax, all right? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking, sort of. Uh, so let's take a deep dive and let's just see if we can see the message of Christmas with new eyes. Just spend a few minutes unpacking the Bible and see what it has to say about coming back. And it says, this is the famous passage. Now, if we had time, you'd look at verses one through seven and it says how Mary and Joseph, they moved down to Bethlehem and the time came where Mary had just given birth to baby Jesus and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she placed him in the manger. And then it says right after that, in verse eight. Let's follow along. Keep your Bible open if you have it. We're going to mark up the Bible. That is not sacrilegious. In fact, it gets you deep. It gets deeper into you when you do. It says, and there were shepherds. So here's the, here's the key character today, the shepherds. And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. When? At night. Okay. So they're on the graveyard shift. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. I think the, the KJV and Linus says, they were sore afraid. Look it up. I think it literally says like S-O-R, sore afraid. I don't know what that means. Anyway, so they were terrified. Now let's just pause there for a second and ask a question. Is it okay if we do Bible study? You with me? So why are they terrified? Don't read over and don't gloss over the scripture. It's giving important detail to help us understand and is painting the backdrop, the canvas on which the good news is about to be released. And we find these shepherds living out in the fields. This is where they live out in the fields and they're on the night shift. And then suddenly this angel appears and it tells us their reaction isn't, oh, neat. Their reaction is they're terrified absolutely freaked out. Now let's ask the question, why are they terrified? Well, the obvious, most obvious or easiest answer would be it's not every day you see an angel, correct? Like it's not every day. Like this is a paranormal experience to say the least. They would have looked like they saw a ghost. They're seeing something in the spiritual realm. They're just out there minding their business on a regular Bethlehem night. I don't know, playing Uno and Tic Tacs or Tic Tac Toe or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, this angel appears and just completely rips open the possibility of everything they thought they knew. So obviously, one of the easy answers is this, is this is terrifying them because they're seeing an angel. And this is congruent with any other person who sees an angel. They're scared. In the Bible, if you read the Bible, people who see angels are all afraid. Every time a Bible, uh, an angel shows up in the Bible, they all have to say, relax, chill, don't be afraid. They all say it over and over again. So whatever like you know, the touch by an angel has done for your understanding of what it's like to see an angel, just back it up 
and just get that kind of gloss and glitter out of your mind, get the kind of Hallmark movie mist out of your mind of any Hallmark movies, anybody? Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's my, my wife's favorite. It's a one story. City girl, just can't find a guy. Moves to a small town where Mr. Wright, he's a widow always with three perfect kids. He's the town Christmas planner. And she finds him every time. It's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolute trash. Anyway, no, it's not. I'm just, I'm just uh, whatever. But we kind of have this sort of gloss in our minds about the Christmas story. And even when we picture the angels, you know, you're going to see nativity sets and you're going to see these, these angelic beings with wings and their, their harps. And, you know, like that, that's not biblical. Whatever it is they saw scared the daylights out of these dudes, freaked them out. Like this is a, at very least, the angel of the Lord is a mighty person to see, a spectacular person, and they were freaked. But I'm not convinced that this being different or paranormal is the reason that they responded in, in terror. I actually think there's a detail that Luke gives us that gives us a clue as to why they're reacting. He tells us two things. He tells us first and foremost, that we're talking about shepherds here. Now, who are the shepherds? Now, when you put together your nativity set and you place, there's an order to it, isn't there? You place baby Jesus in the middle, right? If you don't, you're wrong. You place baby Jesus in the middle and then Mary and Jojo. And then you take, you take the, the wise men and maybe the little shepherd boy, right? A little with, with his drum. I don't know how we get, where do we get this stuff anyway? And, and then you have the angels around them, right? But, but in reality, the shepherds, we, we don't do it justice to who they really were. The shepherds in Jesus's day, it, it actually tells us in the text, it tells us that they lived outside of the city. So they're not part of the in crowd. They actually are outsiders. And, and they are not only the outsiders, but they are the night team. To say that these guys are outsiders is an understatement. These, the shepherds, these shepherds are literally the B team of the B team. Like these guys are night watch shepherds. You cannot get a more lowly profession in Jesus's day than that. That is the bottom of the totem pole. You know, you had your, 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 your uh, royalty and you had politicians and the religious elite and the educational elite and you had physicians and uh, technicians and you had all the other issues and then you somewhere down the line at the very bottom you had shepherds nobody nobody in Jesus's day chose to be a shepherd it's the one job that anyone can do it's what you do when all of your other career choices and decisions didn't work out you tried that, you failed. You tried this, you failed. You tried that, you failed. And no one chooses to be shepherds. Shepherding chooses you. It's that kind of a job. It's the kind of job that I'm sure these shepherds in first century Israel school system, when they had career day, none of them showed up saying, I want to be a shepherd. <laughs> none of them. And if they did, their teacher said, hey, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed, but let's aim a little higher. Can we do that? 
That's, that's what this teacher would have done. It's like, it was like my, uh, I, won't, I won't tell you the profession, but I was driving my little guy to school one day and he saw a, a job that just anyone can do. And, and he's like, I want to be that dad. And I'm like, hey, bud, let's, let's, let's aim a little higher. All right. That's, that's what this is. These guys are the lowliest of the low. They are, they're deadbeats. They're the forgotten crowd. Nobody's missing them. They don't own these sheep. Some successful person owns these sheep. They're just watching them. They're just hired hands out making sure a sheep doesn't wander off or doesn't get eaten. These guys are the lowliest people possible. In the whole scene of what's happening in Bethlehem, these guys are the outcasts, the outsiders, the busted, the broken, the lost, the forgotten. They aren't so different than the livestock that they're looking after. They're pretty sheepish. That's the picture, and that's the crowd. And then it tells us another detail. So you have lowly shepherds, and then what does it say? It says not just that the angel of the Lord appeared. I don't think that's what freaked them out the most. I think what caused this reaction is this right here. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They had an encounter and a revelation of the glory of the Lord. And anybody who's been around or maybe you've been serving Jesus or you, you've been in environments where God's glory, and what's, what's the glory? The glory of God is, it's the weight of his person. It's the essence of who he is. It's, it's the tangible felt weight of the holiness of God. I don't know how else to say it. The Hebrews, they use the word kavod. And it actually meant, it was actually a term used like uh, for, for measuring scales, that, that there's a weight to the glory of God. And when God's glory, his holiness shows up, it actually, you feel it. Has anybody ever been in an environment where you felt it? You might've just felt it not 20 minutes ago. You might have felt a presence, a pressure. You might have felt a weight in the room that, that maybe it wasn't causing you to hit the floor, but it was causing your eyes to leak a little bit. Or it was causing your head to go down and your hands to go up. That's what happens when God's glory shows up. And the, to the degree that God's glory shows up is the degree that our lowliness becomes more apparent and our neediness becomes more apparent. And so you have this picture here of these shepherds experiencing the unbridled glory of God beaming and shining around them. The angel of the Lord standing before them in, in all of his splendor, in all of his awe-inspiring grandeur, in all of his holiness and otherness and greatness and amazing reality. And here are these lowly shepherds all too aware of their own brokenness and deficiencies and dysfunction. Can you see the contrast between the lowly and the glory? That's the frame for this picture. The glory of God and these lowly shepherds. And then it says this. Let's, let's keep going. Are you, are you with me? So it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Now, the Bible loves to put a but. But... The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news, good tidings. We got a purist back here. I bring you good tidings. <laughs> 
Try that. Some, try to share the gospel someday with somebody. I want to bring you some good tidings. They're not going to listen. I bring you good news. Good news. That's the gospel. Gospel means good news. That will what? Cause great joy. I want to look at that in a second. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. So this good news is going to actually result in great joy. The, the word great here is the, the, the Greek word megas. And it's where you get the word mega. And we're like mega, mega blocks, right? Mega trucks. We use the word mega. Mega means what? It means more. It means exceeding. It means uh, abundant. That's what mega means. Megas means exceedingly. And so when it says great, it, you, could, you could put the word exceeding. That says exceeding. You can put the word exceeding in there. That's what he's saying. So bear with me. We're going to break this down because I don't want you to miss it. He says, I bring you some news. And this news is going to result in not just adequate joy, not okay joy, not halfway joy, not three quarters of the way joy, not even 99% joy, exceeding overflowing joy. Meaning this news is going to be so sufficient and so great that it is going to leave you in a joy surplus. Think about that. It means that this news, whatever it is, is going to cause so much joy that even the things that right now are draining your joy, what are they? You've got some. Maybe there's family issues. You just prayed about it. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's mistakes. Maybe it's some relationship. Whatever it is, you ever feel like just life is, it's like life sucks the life out of you? He's saying that this news is going to be so sufficient and so all-encompassing and so overwhelming, it's going to cause a surplus of joy that is going to exceed your depression, your fear, your past, your pain, your hurt, all the things that rob life, it's going to exceed it. So what is it? I bring you good news that will cause exceeding joy for all the people. Here, and here comes the news. You ready? Verse 11. You ready for it? Here's the news. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. That's the news. The news is, the news that will cause exceeding joy is that a Savior has been born to you. What's he saying? He's saying that in this Savior is salvation that this salvation is so all-encompassing. So you ask the question, Savior from what? Everything. Sa save from fear. Save from your mistakes. Save from shame. Save from anxiety. Save from depression. Save from alienation. Save from injustice. Save from failure. Save from brokenness. Save from addiction. Save from bondage. Every single thing that holds back life, this Savior will set you free in such an exceeding way that you will have a life surplus. Wow. Let it, let it in. If you're taking notes, let's just, let's just write this down. The, the, the Christmas message, first and foremost, is an invitation to us to come back to life. This is where life is. This is what real, li real living is. 
This is salvation. He is here to save your life. In Jesus, we come back to what? To life. He has invited us back to life. He brings us from death to life. Come back from death to life. Come back from fear to courage. Come back from exile to home. Come back from bondage to freedom. Come back from despair to hope. Whatever it is, it's come back to life. That is the gospel. He has come that you would have life and have it to the full. Now let's just, let's break this down in the, a little bit deeper. Can we do that? So the message of Christmas is about a savior who came to bring us back to what? Life. To life. He came, he came to bring us back to life. Now, let's ask a few questions. Now, I'll show you how to study your Bible a little bit. Just, you ask the same questions. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will begin to show you things you missed just reading it over. If you just start asking a few questions, like basic ones, like who, where, what, when, why, that will actually start giving you revelation. God, if you ask the Spirit to say, God, show me your word, he really will but you gotta give him the time and the avenue. And so let's ask a few questions. Let's, let's study the Bible in real time. First and foremost, we've already described what this is. It's this great salvation, right? He, he came that we would have life. It's gonna cause great joy for all people. It's good news. Now let's ask the question. So that's what? Let's ask the question, when? So when is this happening? Did you catch it? Verse 11, he said, today, today, this invitation is not a someday thing. The gospel of Jesus is a right now invitation. Today. He wasn't saying, hey, this is postmarked for another day when things are going to get better. The, God, the angel declared to these shepherds right now. The gospel is a right now thing. This is right now good news. Currently, right here right now, today. This is a today gospel. That's incredible. So that's, that's when. So we know what it is. It's a salvation. And we know that this salvation is available when? Today. When? Today. Yeah, it's available today. That's good news. Some of you think it's, it's only available when I get my act together or when this happens or when that happens. Nope. This good news that is going to be cause for great joy of salvation is available when? Today. It's also, let's ask another question. So, so, so that's what? That's, that's when. Let's ask the question where. Where, okay, where do we find it? Right? Well, the angel answers that. He says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid of bringing good news, that today, where? In the town of David in the town of David, but don't miss it. Where? In the Savior. Today, in the town of David, I'm gonna let, let you find him. The salvation is not a place to get to. It is not a, a thing to climb to. It is not something to achieve to or obtain. It is a person. It's in him that today, in the town of David, the Savior's in the town of David. And that he's been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And, and in case you missed the Savior in the town of David, he's gonna be the one in baby form. So you're looking for a baby in the town of David who happens to be the savior. And in case you don't know which baby, he's the one that's wrapped in cloths. We're narrowing it down and currently lying in a manger. Where is it? Where is this salvation? It's in the baby. It's in the child. 
Salvation is here in the child. It's not in Bethlehem. Salvation's in Jesus, who happens to be in Bethlehem, in a manger, in swaddling clothes. Do you get it? Salvation is in Jesus. And Jesus is on earth. Salvation is here. He's here today. This, this, I pray that this, this season, that, that revelation of the, the withness of God and the nearness of God would take new root in some of you who have believed this for a long time and you would catch it more, how incredible it is that he came. This is the word incarnation. This, this past week, I was uh, driving my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter home from youth group. My daughter was in youth group, y'all, what? I have a middle school daughter. It's pretty great. I'm loving this season of life. She's, she's still just my sweet baby girl. She always will be, but she doesn't have any of that like middle school sass yet, you know? So it's great. And we are, uh, we, we just have great conversations. We're driving home and she says, dad, guess what? I'm like, what? And she says, we're learning about world religions and social studies. I'm like, oh boy. What are we learning in social studies? My, my daughter's a public school kid, like many of yours. And I'm like, what are we learning in social studies? And she started to tell me, well, right now we're learning about uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They're the three kind of, you know, religions, and she says, that, that are connected to one another. What do you mean they're connected with each other? She says, well, they, they originated in the same place, and they, they came out of one another. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. She goes, well, don't worry, Dad, I'm a Christian. I'm like, that's right, girl. But then she goes, yeah, but there are, there she goes, there are similarities though, aren't there? Like they all like Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, like they all kind of, I'm like, yeah, there are similarities. But now I started to preach to my daughter and this is the cross that she's going to have to bear. She's a preacher's daughter. And I said, but let me tell you something. There's some similarities, but there is one major difference. And that is this, every religion, whether it's Judaism, whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, kind of mysticism, whatever other ism and philosophy and, and, and atheism, agnosticism, all the isms are human attempts to get to life and to get to God, to reach nirvana, to get to heaven. They're all the attempts for us to get to him. And here's where Christianity is different from all of them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came, behold, he, he, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We believe this is incredible news, not because the angel came and announced that we can get to God, but that God got to us. That is the gospel. It wasn't anything that you did or didn't do. It wasn't about you. It was about his goodness. He left heaven in search of you. That's the gospel. It's that he came in search of us, that life came to us, that hope came to us, that righteousness came to us, that reconciliation and peace and life eternal, it came in search of us. While we, who are we? We are these shepherds living out in the fields. But that's the craziest part of this. You know, salvation is here, but I think the big question would be, and I'm glad that the angel gave them this information before they disqualified themselves because the big question is for who? Who's this salvation for? Because this sounds pretty, pretty exclusive. We're talking about God forming a people, saving people, 
who is it for? And, and the angel says, today. Well, let's go back to verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring who? Bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? All. Uh, I looked up the Greek here and this translates as all. Um, <laughs> the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to who? He didn't come for himself. He came for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to who? In case you missed it, who? You will find a baby wrapped in claws and like this gospel, this savior that is gonna be good news is gonna cause exceeding joy for all people. It's for all people. The gospel is for all people, rich people, poor people, important people, unimportant people, black people, white people, every other color people, rich people, old people, young people, broken people, people who think they have it together, all people, the gospel is for everyone. It is the most it is the most inclusive invitation there has ever been given. Come back to God. All people come back to God. It is the most inclusive message of all time surrounding this person of Jesus. It's also exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Here's the thing, I think, when I get reading this, I, I, you know, you, you ask, ask the question about the wisdom of God and you need to know, like God did not have his GPS coordinates messed up the night he brought this message. He landed with this announcement exactly where he meant to, exactly when he meant to, exactly with who he intended to. He wasn't like, oops, we're on the shepherd's field. I guess we're gonna have to deliver the message here. I meant to be in the stadium or I meant to be in the newsroom. He was right where he wanted to be. So the question is, why did God choose shepherds to deliver this message and to get this message first? I wonder if it's because they're the people who knew their need more than anybody. I wonder if they're the, they're the group of people that were more aware of their own sheepishness than anybody else. They got it. They knew it was good news. You see, this is incredible news if you realize you need a savior. But if you think you're self-sufficient, this doesn't mean anything to you. If you think you're fine just pulling up your own bootstraps and getting on in your own life and you're gonna you know, get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, you're a champion, you're a winner. And you're gonna read some Tony Robbins books and some self-help and you're gonna kind of do mental gymnastics all the way to victory. If you think you're that guy pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and you're gonna, let's dominate. You think you're gonna be that person? This isn't good news for you. This is good news for people who know their sheep. And the Bible tells us that, that, that all of us are sheep. And the Bible tells us that, that Jesus invited us back to life. And he said this, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd or the actual shepherd, the only shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Who are the sheep? See, the Bible, I, I know like some of you, maybe you're, you're new to this whole thing and you think, you know, well, where's the encouragement? I, I wanted you to tell me I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better. No, you're gonna be worse unless you come to the shepherd. The Bible would convince you that, that 
You know, you're not perfect just the way you are. You're not going to just get things better. Things aren't just going to work out good for you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says this is you. (laughs) Soak it in, sheep. That's us. That is us. You, we are lost sheep, hopeless. We are walking buffets for predators. We have very little we're able to do to defend ourselves, vindicate ourselves, make ourselves look awesome. This is the, 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 the idea about human beings that the Bible puts out. Yes, you have been made in the image of God. Yes, you are valuable. Why else would he send his son for you? But make no mistake about it. You are not self-sufficient. You are a needy, lost, broken, messed up sheep. And this is good news if you know it. Because the news of the gospel is that the good shepherd came in search of the sheep. Jesus one time said, I'm like the shepherd who left the 99 healthy sheep in search of the one, healthy sheep in search of the one who got lost so that the lost could be found and come back home. That's the gospel. That's the message of Christmas for the sheep. Let's, let's, let's be done here in a second. Let's keep going. Give me five more minutes. <laughs> says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Now, just hold on. It is so easy just to read over this. And again, to just kind of conjure up sentimental, cheap, comfortable, hallmarky eggnog pictures of Christmas, isn't it? Oh, cute. The heavenly host singing in the, in the choir. Oh, glory to God in the highest, right? It's like cute, man. The heavenly host is actually the armies of heaven. At risk of embarrassing myself, have you ever seen like an army like presenting itself, like it is an imposing thing. Like you ever seen the, the, the uh, New Zealand guys do the haka, the, he shot the gun, you ever see that? Yeah, my, my brother-in-law will not let that not be on the internet at some point, I'm sure. Um, but you ever, you ever see that? Like it's intimidating. You see a capable group of warriors together declaring victory, declaring their dominance, imposing it. That's what this is. This is a great multitude of angelic warriors standing together in unison, declaring the glory and the greatness of God and that God has established in this Savior his perfect peace that comes from his complete victory that reconciles not only heaven and earth, but all of earth amongst itself. Wow. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on on those on whom his favor rests. Second big comeback that Christmas offers us is to come back to real peace. Let me say this. This salvation is not just some cute idea where God pats us on the head and says, I love you anyway. He very literally steps into our brokenness. This is what Jesus meant when he says, the shepherd, the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Later on, he would say, I am the gate. 
who lays his life down for his sheep. Literally, uh, shepherds would often, if, if, the, if the sheep were in danger, put the, the sheep into like a cave or a corner and he himself would lay down in front of the entrance so that predators couldn't get in and that the predator would have to devour him if he was gonna get to the sheep. This is what Jesus is speaking at. When Jesus, when the, when the angels are declaring salvation, this salvation is a real, actual, legal, tangible salvation that literally changes the dynamic between us and God. Peace has been made with God, forgiveness of sin, redemption, atonement through Jesus. And that if God has forgiven us, it means that peace has been made within us. Why? If God can forgive you, who are you to not walk in that forgiveness and forgive yourself? You ever think of that? You ever think of how insane it is that you can simultaneously say, I know God's forgiven me, but I'm still holding myself guilty for these things. If God has forgiven you and made peace with you through his blood, then how much more can you not let it go? And that if you have received that forgiveness and that peace and that grace, who are you to withhold that favor and that peace from others? Do you see how it works? As God has set his glory and made peace on earth, peace takes up residence in us and flows through us. The, Jesus one time said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. He who has been blessed, he who has been given much gives much that as God has made his peace between heaven and earth, it flows in us and through us. It is a whole, full peace. God came to make peace. This is what this message is. I know when you think about, you think about the nativity scene, you think about the manger, it's easy for us. We, we're gonna drive around our neighborhoods and you're gonna drive around our cities and you're gonna see people who have, you know, and it's cool. I'm glad for people who put like the nativity on their front lawn, that's awesome. Christmas is about Christ, period. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times you'll see like a, a stable. You'll see a wooden stable. Uh, that's actually not what the manger scene is in. Uh, the manger happens in a dugout, in a cave. And in this picture, you aren't actually, you're not seeing the end product. You're seeing something that is foreshadowing to something that this baby came to do and accomplish. He did not come just to hang out with us. He didn't come just to teach us wisdom, although he did. He didn't come just to show us the love of God, although he did. He didn't come just to, just to talk about God's love. He came to, like, like it says in John, love us to the uttermost. Jesus one time said, I, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give myself up as ransom for many. He came to die to make peace with God and with us. He came to reconcile heaven and earth. He came to make peace. You look at this scene, if you have eyes to see it, it's actually foreshadowing what's gonna happen 33 years later, not 10 miles from here. 33 years later, uh, we, we see this scene and we, we, we see that it's in Bethlehem. Do you know that Bethlehem is a town that is just outside of Jerusalem? Just outside. It, it, the word Bethlehem actually, it, it translates house of bread. You know what else happened just outside of Jerusalem 33 years after this? Jesus went out to a hill just outside of the city 
called Golgotha, where he was murdered by us and for us. This is screaming it. This picture is is screaming what he's come to do. This is is happening not only in Bethlehem. You think about about these two. You think about Mary and and Jesus. You think about, and I don't mean to give any ladies post-traumatic stress syndrome, but you remember giving birth? It's a painfully beautiful thing, isn't it? Very, Very painful, very beautiful, very painful. Sweat, blood, tears, yeah? Contraction, pain, cries. That would have gone on that night in here. I mean, she's holding him now, but not minutes before that. That would have been a, a, a violent, painful, sweaty, bloody thing. And 33 years later, not 10 miles from here, she would be the one crying as he endures the contractions of giving birth to a new creation, as he takes the sin and shame and guilt and humiliation and judgment that it was deserving for all of us, he takes it upon himself and his blood pours out and his fluids pour out. It's him now, him now in the pains. It's him now who, who instead of taking his first breath and crying out, is about to cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're sheep. As he takes his last breath, see it. He came to make peace. The Bible says that after Jesus died on the cross, that they took him down and they took his body and they wrapped him in what? Cloths. It even tells us that they anointed his body for burial. Um, do you know that, that the wise, the, the magi, I don't know where they are in this picture. I think maybe these guys, but maybe the, that magi actually come later, but they, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were all things to, to prepare a person for their burial. Like everything in this picture is speaking about the greater purpose for why he came. And that was to die so that we might live. Even the fact that he was born in the ground they wrapped him in claws and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and they closed the door. See, this, this story of Christmas, like it is speaking, it is speaking to this. Like Peter said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. What's the cross? The cross is a piece of wood where he was placed and murdered. Do you know that the manger that the nativity is referring to, the manger is the wooden feeding trough. The manger is not a stable. It's the wood that had been fabricated to place food in so that the animals could eat and live. It's the wood that has been fabricated so that the food that brings life could be placed that the sheep could come and live. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like what? Sheep going astray. But now you have what? Come back. 
you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is our comeback story. It's coming back to God. It's coming back to peace. This is his comeback story. The comeback is Jesus's. He's the one that went all the way down. He's the one that left heaven. He's the one that left his glory. He's the one that, that went from immortal transcendence to putting on human frailty and flesh. You think about the, how insane it is that almighty, omniscient God who knows no limits or no ends would limit himself into the form of a child who can't even hold his head up and let himself be passed around by the sheep. How far can one fall? And then for 30 years, the glorious ancient of days would grow up in obscurity, just a carpenter's kid. No platform, no notoriety, no crowns, no accolades, just obscurity. Like how far can one go down? And then for three years, he turns 30 and he starts teaching. And the whole time he was teaching, it was just one exhausting march where he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all, he, all the love and all the kindness and all the power and all the patience that anyone ever could, could do. He just kept going further and further and further down all the way till the day he stood before Pontius Pilate, the great ruler of Rome, where he said, do you know the power I have? And Jesus just... Just took it, please, power. And then as he stood before his own people, as they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And then they took him and they strapped him to a, to a piece of, of stone where they ripped his back open with 40 lashes. And then they put a, put his cross on his back and they let him walk down the hill through the, through the, uh, the, the Via Della Rosa and then back up the hill called Golgotha where they eventually nailed him to, to the wood where they raised him up and he literally drowned in his own blood. He went all the way down to death. in the depth of our sin, in the depth of our dysfunction, in the depth of our disease, in the depth of our despair, he went all the way down into it. The Bible even says that he holds the keys to death and hell. This is why in the creed we say that he descended to hell. Friday, seemed like he was down and out. Saturday, nothing. And then Sunday, the comeback begins. Sunday, breath comes into his lungs. Sunday, he sits up in the tomb. The Bible says that he even like placed his burial claws nice and neat at the end. I won't be needing these anymore. He rolled the stone away. He came out of the grave. He came back all the way from death, all the way from sin to complete and utter victory. He came back and showed himself to his disciples, showed that he has authority, convinced them that I am who I said I am. And when I forgive sins, I forgive them all the way. And I do have have the authority to say you have been forgiven. I do have the authority to say you have been healed. I do have the authority to say you shall live. I can because I am. And he came all the way back to complete victory. The disciples saw it. They saw him ascend back to heaven, seated at the right hand of God. And one day he will come back in victory and we shall see with our own eyes. But this is our come 
back to him story. He came back so we could come back to life and peace and purpose and community and meaning and healing and freedom and hope and joy. It's all in him. Just just breathe it in. That's a gospel. Don't let Christmas, what we've made Christmas, rob you of the greatest story, the greatest news that has ever been told. Behold, I bring you good news that will be cause for exceedingly great joy, that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. All the way, all the way salvation. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go see what, this, what has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds. I don't have much time to unpack this, but I love this. Maybe we'll preach a whole message some year on it. Ben, you can come back. I'm gonna pray in a second, but don't miss what happens here. These dudes go from being the outsiders, the forgotten, the lost, the last, the B team of the B team to being what? The first evangelists. Didn't Jesus once say the last shall be first? This is what he does. You don't just come to this king. You don't just come to this savior and have your past forgiven, although you do. You have your whole future renewed and restored. And he takes the mess you made and gives you a message. He takes the trials you've been through and gives you a testimony. That's what he does. So, so here's the last comeback. In Jesus, we come back to complete victory. He gives us a whole new life. We get a kingdom heavenly swagger, a new confidence, knowing if God is for me, who can be against me? That God is able to cause all things to come together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purposes. That if he who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all, how not also along with him will he not give me all things? We have a brand new confidence because we live in the victory of this reality. Paul said it like this and we'll be done. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Do not think of Christmas from a human point of view this year. How differently we see him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. You're not the lowly shepherd. You now live in the glory and the reality of King Jesus. You have been redeemed, restored, set on a new path. You became a new person. The old life is what? Gone, all the way gone. And a new life has begun. And all of this is a what? Merry Christmas. That's it. That's the gift. That's why we give gifts. It's to let us remember this, that this is a gift from God who brought us, who's given us new life and brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now we're evangelists. Now we walk in that victory. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. If he forgave you, 
you're forgiven. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we please say it out loud. Come back to God. Come back. Let us speak this, this Christmas season. Come back to God. Come back to life. Come back to the one who made Christ, who never knew sin, to be sin so that we might become, we might be made right with God through Christ. That is the gospel. Isn't that good? Stand up, stand up and receive it fresh today. God, we thank you for it. Lord, we receive forgiveness fresh today. We receive the reality of salvation that is cause for great news or great joy. This news is cause for great joy. Receive it fresh today. I wonder if today we can't pray together out loud and just uh, recommit and reestablish ourselves back to the shepherd. How does a sheep come back to the shepherd? Here's how. It stops running. It says, here I am, over here, right? Hang with me. Nobody finds Jesus. Jesus isn't lost. Jesus finds us. And the way that you find salvation and find hope and find life is by saying, here I am, Lord, I need you. And so I wonder if maybe there's some people here who have never said, here I am, Lord. Let's, let's say it today. Maybe there's some people here that you, you know, you're the sheep that wandered off. You went far off and let's just say, hey, here I am. Here I am, Lord, I need, I need salvation. I need a fresh start. I need new life. I need a new touch. Maybe some of you though, like you haven't wandered off, but you're lagging behind. And maybe today God is inviting you to come back to intimacy with him, to come back into a new place, into fields of, in the streams of living water, into green pasture. So let's pray out loud together. I want all of us just bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray this out loud. Let's just come back to him again, afresh and anew. And let's declare our faith in the good shepherd. So just repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You're the good shepherd. You're the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. I confess my need for you. I repent of my sin and I turn to you, the shepherd and overseer of my soul. I give you my life today and every day forever and ever, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe that you are born again. You're that new creation. And so I wanna just, I don't wanna leave. I wanna give you a chance to let us know that. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, if this was your day and you made that declaration, that decision, we wanna celebrate with you. You need to seal this before the Lord. So just on the count of three, would you just shoot your hand up? One, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Two, don't miss this moment. Three, did you pray that prayer for the first time? First time, any first timers? Awesome, 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 awesome. Very good, let's celebrate. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. If you want to stay up to date, go ahead and click subscribe to follow us on YouTube. And hey, if you want to partner with us in getting these messages farther, you can go to our website and find out ways that you can give and help us get the good news of Jesus further than ever before.